Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. We read today in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. And the word of the Lord says this so. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation or call wherewith you have been called. I therefore, just put it back, hallelujah. I'm going to hang my nail right here. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. That's all I'm going to read this morning. Amen. I may read the next verse. I may, if the Lord permits it. Hallelujah. But I want to talk to you very quickly. Hallelujah. Under the subject, the worthy walk. The worthy walk. And as a subtitle, hallelujah, I want to talk to you about awakening godly ambition. Awakening godly ambition. Hallelujah. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, we give you praise, honor, and glory. We thank you for waking us up this morning. Now, Lord God, hallelujah, have your way in this place. As I hide behind the cross, use these lips of clay and minister upon the tablets of people's hearts today a right now word, hallelujah. Let it be transformational. Take us to another place in you today, Lord God, through the power of the spoken word. And we give you glory, honor, and power for it even now. In Jesus' name. And the church said, amen and amen. Hallelujah. You know, it's amazing to me because I wonder if someone would ever say to themselves or, or some people have said to themselves, hallelujah, why do I have to be ambitious for anything if I've already received everything? Why do I have to be ambitious for anything if God has already given me the ultimate thing? If I have already received salvation, why should I be ambitious for anything hallelujah but how many of you in this place know hallelujah that to be rescued from something uh, sets us on a path toward something to be rescued from something sets us on a path toward something when you read this text you begin to realize that the one who called us is now calling us to walk the one who saved us is now calling us to walk in other words you experienced a rescue and now that rescue sets you on a path you experience a rescue and now that rescue sets you on a path hallelujah I like this this verse right here hallelujah the Lord began to minister to me about this particular verse you find it in the fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians and it's verse number one it is exactly right smack in the middle of the book the book consists of six chapters hallelujah three and three and in the middle you have this particular verse right here I'd like to call this verse a bridge it is a bridge between truth and life when you when you look at the first three verses of Ephesians let me just say that Ephesians is one of my favorite books in the Bible hallelujah but watch this when you when you study the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians it talks to you about what Christ has accomplished it talks to you about what Christ has accomplished in our lives let me give you some examples very quickly hallelujah for those of you who like to study the book of Ephesians lets us know lets us know in the first three chapters we were chosen in Christ number one that's a uh, chapter 1 verse 4 also lets us know that we were predestined for adoption you're going to find that in the first chapter somewhere around verse number 5 it also lets us know watch this that we have been given an inheritance 
You're also going to find that in the first chapter. I'm telling you, this book is loaded. Uh, in the first chapter, verse number 11, hallelujah. It also lets us know in the second chapter that we were raised with Christ. Chapter 2 and verse number 6. It also says that we were reconciled unto God. Mm, chapter 2, verse 16. Then it lets us know in the third chapter, we're blessed with unsearchable riches in Christ. That's chapter 3 and verse number 8, hallelujah. But when we begin to look at the second half, the latter three chapters of the book of Ephesians, it begins to focus on the practical implications of what he said in the first three chapters. Are you with me so far? Let me build this thing. I'm going somewhere, hallelujah. It's talking about, watch this, the effect our redemption has on our words, on our actions, and our relationships. Hallelujah. He is building a bridge. Amen. Between doctrine and duty. Between principle. Come on somebody. And practice. Mm. Between creed and command. How many of you in this place know that bridges are not for standing? I say, how many of you in this place know that bridges are not for standing? Bridges are to take you somewhere. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? Bridges are supposed to take you somewhere. So I believe that what God wants to do this morning is that he wants to ignite somebody's ambition. And so I want you to, I just want to encourage you to put your walking shoes on. Put your traveling shoes on. Hallelujah. Listen, walk worthy of the call that you have received. In other words, synchronize your walk to what Christ has accomplished in your life. Synchronize your walk to what God has already accomplished in your life. In other words, live up to your privileges. Live up to your privileges. Hallelujah. You've been saved, now walk. You've been rescued, now get on the path that I have set before you hallelujah in other words become by faith god help me in here what god has declared you to be in christ become by faith what god has declared you to be in christ what has he declared me to be in christ righteous become what he has already declared you to be Mm, you don't do to become right. You don't do to become righteous. You're righteous. Now walk accordingly. Are you in this place? Uh, I'm currently doing some coursework, hallelujah. And in, and, and in this coursework, hallelujah, that I am doing, I read a, a, a short piece. It's a written piece. It's, it's actually fictional, but you probably heard of it or read it. But it's, a, it's about a character named Johnny Lingo. It's, it's going to mean something in a, minute, in a minute. Johnny Lingo is the main character. And then there's another character in this short piece. And, and her name is Sarita. And, you know, it got my attention because I have a daughter, my only daughter out of four children, and her name is Sarah, but at home we call her Sarita. Amen. But watch this. The Bible says something about Sarita. It says, watch this, that she was, she was, no, she was no looker. In other words, Sarita wasn't very good looking. She was skinny. The story describes her as plain. Uh, the, the story says that she was in desperate need of some Mary Kay products. 
She was in desperate need of some Mary Kay products. She had a fretful disposition. Her shoulders were, were drooping downward as though she was carrying many burdens. But for some unknown reason, Johnny Lingo loved Sarita and wanted to have her as his wife. Now, in this short story, fictional, of course, watch this, it was customary for a man to buy a woman from her father. You had to go see her father and purchase her. And in that day, hallelujah, your worth was measured by your cattle. That's biblical, too. Your worth was measured by your cattle. So you had to give cattle, hallelujah, in order to purchase her. Watch this. And according to the story, two or three cows would secure the average wife. Two or three cows would secure the average wife. Four cows would give you an upgrade. And two more cows, six cows would give you what the story referred to as a head-turning beauty. A head-turning beauty. But watch this. Johnny Lingo shocks all the islanders when he shells out eight cows. Eight cows for Sarita. So the question becomes, why pay quadruple the going rate for somebody like Sarita? But Johnny wanted her to know that in his eyes, in his eyes, she was more valuable than any other woman. Woo, God have mercy. It was a statement from him to her value. You are an eight-cow wife. Husbands, if you're sitting next to your spouse right now, I want you to look at her very quickly and say, Honey, you are an eight-cow wife. My honey, 10 cows. Are you blessed in here? I'm acting like I got time. Hallelujah. I really don't. Watch this. The news about, watch this, this unprecedented bride price spread like wildfire. And a well-known prestigious, prestigious woman heard about the price this man paid. And so she said, I got to go see what this man shelled out eight cows for. And so she goes to see. When she sees Sarita, to her amazement, to her amazement, hallelujah, this is what she said. And I quote, Sarita was the most beautiful woman she had ever seen. The lift in her shoulders and the lift in her chin and the sparkle in her eyes. You want to know what happened? Sarita became what Johnny declared her to be. Oh, you don't hear what I'm saying. Hallelujah. I said Sarita became what Johnny Lingo declared her to be. He called her an eight-cow wife. And those words changed her. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And she began to walk worthy 
of the call she had received. Oh, if you're in this place, bless the Lord. Hallelujah. If you know that God, hallelujah, is also calling you to become what he has declared, hallelujah, because he has adopted you. Come on, somebody. He has forgiven you. He has declared you righteous. He has altered your desires, hallelujah, so that they were bent in his direction. And so now he's challenging me to become what he's already called me to be, hallelujah. Can I submit something to you? You cannot say to a prisoner that has not been emancipated, to stop behaving like a prisoner. Because that would be a mocking of his incarceration. But if I came to a prisoner who has just been set free. And I tell him hallelujah to walk as though he was free. Then that would be a necessary appeal to put into effect the privileges and rights of his liberation. So when God is saying walk worthy. It's because I've already set you free. Are you in this place, church? Show me Ephesians 4 and verse number 2. I said I may read it. I'm going to read it. Hallelujah. Because verse 2 shows us what walking worthy looks like. It says, watch this. With all lowliness and meekness, with all long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Show me the next one. Might as well. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. One translation says humility, gentleness, patience, bearing one another in love, maintaining the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Walk, watch this, consistent with the privilege or the privileges you already enjoy in him. Hallelujah. I heard one individual put it like this. It's like the seasoning of a delicious meal. The knowledge of our redemption permeates our soul and seasons our life with the character of Christ. The apostle Paul is saying, walk this thing. It's going to be worth the pursuit. It's going to be worth the pursuit. Hallelujah. Oh my God. Hallelujah. He's saying in the end, hallelujah, I want you to walk worthy of it. If I'm asking you to walk worthy of it, it's because there is some glorious ending. There's some, something glorious that's involved. Hallelujah. And I said all that to really say this. God has an agenda for your ambition. Not all of our ambitions are godly, hallelujah. Some of them could be goodly. Some of them could have good intentions, but that doesn't make them godly. And I want to submit to you that God has an intention for your ambition. Are you blessed in this place? Now, I need you to be honest in this place, hallelujah, because when you think about your calling, most of us think about, watch this, what am I going to do for God? When you think about your calling, the first thing that usually comes to our mind is, what am I going to do for God? Am I, in, am I in the vicinity? Because watch this, we often view activity and calling as synonymous. I said we often view activity and calling as being synonymous. But here's what I want to get at. And if you can catch this, you can be free. In this place today. God, listen, what you need to understand is that God's glorious agenda for our ambition begins with who we are, not what we achieve. I said it begins with who we are and not what we 
achieve. And when Paul says walk worthy, what he's saying is I myself am not gunning for self-glory nor comfort. Hallelujah. I'm ambitious about the changed life. I'm ambitious about a changed life. Are you in this place, church? Now, this is hard to grasp for people who tend to evaluate who they are by what they achieve. This is the world that we live in. So this is hard to grasp for many people because that's how we evaluate ourselves. Not by who we are, but by what we achieved. But that is a trap. As a matter of fact, I will submit to you that that was the trap of the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and asked Jesus this question. What must I do to be saved? That's the trap. What must I do? What must I do to earn? Because I want to be able to say I had something to do with it. I want to get some credit for it. When I get to heaven, I want a pat on the back. Not going to happen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? What can I do? That was the trap. And he got his heart put on display in response. Well, I wish I had time for that, but I don't. What I'm trying to get at is simply this. You can have good intention, but God needs to shape your ambition. I said, God needs to shape your ambition. And this is where I begin to lose a lot of my amens, but I'm going anyway. And I knew, hallelujah, that I was going to have limited amen, so I'm ready, hallelujah. I'm not going to be brokenhearted. I'm not going to feel no kind of way if you don't point at me or shout back at me, hallelujah, for the remainder of the service. But I'm going to help somebody in this place because it is possible for us to shout, run around this place, jump, hoop, and holler. And I love doing it with the best of them, hallelujah, and leave the same way we came in. I'd rather get in your head today. Hallelujah. My Bible says that it is with the mind that we serve the Lord. And so that's what I'm after today. I'm, I'm after your mind. Is that all right? Hallelujah. I really wanted to deal with three things, but looking at that clock, I can already see I'm only going to be able to deal with one. One thing that God uh, focuses on when, I'll even put it like this, rescuing your ambition. Rescuing it. Hallelujah. And here's the word, hallelujah, delay, delay. God uses delay to shape your ambition. Yeah, I know we don't like that word. We don't like that word, hallelujah. And, and you know, we like, we like nice sayings like, I might be delayed, but I'm not denied. And there's, and there's truth to that. There's absolute truth to that. Hallelujah. And some of us are shouting around the church talking about the devil is a liar. Trying to stop me and trying to block me. And he does try to stop you. And he does try to block you. And he does try to slow you down. But he's not the only one. He's not the only one. Hallelujah. Oh, Psalm 23 says he makes me to lie down. Hallelujah. And green pastures. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Sometimes God has to make you stop. Make you slow down, hallelujah, and remind you, hallelujah, that the Sabbath was not created for him, but the Sabbath was created for you. And that God don't need no rest because he doesn't sleep nor slumber, but you, you need rest. And so I don't know about you, but I'm glad that if I don't want to, he'll make me. <laughs> he makes me to lie down, hallelujah. Are you in this place, church? God have mercy in here. When the dream is postponed, I need real people now. When the dream is postponed, it's not just the devil. 
And watch this, and there's nothing new either. It's nothing new. Get in line behind many biblical characters in the book, hallelujah, watch this, who had to wait, here's the key, while they walked. Not just wait and sit, but wait while you walk. God have mercy in this place, hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Watch this, Abraham and Sarah were promised a child. How exciting, especially when you couldn't have children, or at least you were declared by a doctor or whoever that you can't have children. God said, you're going to have children. The problem is we get so caught up with activity and what we're supposed to do, hallelujah, that we get really ambitious and we can't wait. And so God said, I'm giving you a promise. This is my word. And my word is true. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But you got to wait. You know how long they had to wait? 25 years. You're going to have a child. There's somebody looking back at me like, I ain't waiting that long. Time is ticking. 25 years they had to wait. You know that story correctly? They couldn't wait. They took matters into their own hands. Because that's how, that's how some of us feel like we have to do concerning the word of God over our life. As though God's timing is not perfect. I got to help you out, God. Let me just speed things along for you. You might be a little too busy. Though the vision tarry, wait for it. In the end it shall speak and not lie. David was anointed king. You're going to be the next king. Woo, the oil flowed, went on his head. I don't know about you. I'd have been excited. Woo, I'm going to be the next king. Hallelujah. And he got to go back to them sheep. And then from those sheep, he ends up in caves for almost a decade running from King Saul. Looking like what was spoken over him was not going to happen. Do I got anybody in here who knows what I'm talking about? I'm trying to help you in this place. Hallelujah. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. You read the Bible loosely, you think that Paul started preaching as soon as he, he got saved. Uh-uh. Wrong. Ste- steady or careful study or rendering of the scriptures will allow you to know that Paul had to wait 14 years before he preached. Because he had not become what God had called him. Are you in this place? Oh, Jesus, have mercy in this place. Hallelujah. Mm. Can I say something in here that I believe is powerful? How we react or respond to delay will significantly shape who we become. How we react or how we respond to delay. I, don't, I didn't ask you if you liked it. I said how you respond to it is going to significantly Shape who we become. God uses waiting to teach us to walk worthy of our call. We don't like wait. I don't, can I be honest in here? I don't like wait. I like wait as much as a toddler does. I need, Jesus, where the parents at? Help me out here. Toddlers don't want to wait for nothing. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? But the challenge in the scripture over and over again, you'll find the word wait. Those that 
wait upon the Lord. The Bible challenges us to wait on his return. Wait on his glorious appearing. Wait on the adoption as sons. Wait in faith. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. The Bible challenges us. Here's what I learned. Waiting excavates our ambitions and brings to surface what we really want. I said waiting excavates our ambitions and brings to surface what we really want. Mm. I want to submit to somebody in here that God's waiting is not like a bus stop where you just sit, hallelujah, waiting for the right option to come by. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place, hallelujah? God's challenge is you walk while you wait. And while you wait, you walk. And while that might sound ironic, it serves many purposes. I said it serves many purposes. So let me give you three of those purposes with the very little time I got left. Amen? Hallelujah. Number one, you ready for me? I would write this down. Waiting purifies ambition. I said waiting purifies ambition. Oh, God, have mercy in here. It purifies ambition. If you went to a brook, if you went to a riverbed, and you stuck your hand in that riverbed, and you pulled out a bunch of rocks, you're going to notice that the rocks are not the same. You're going to notice, hallelujah, watch this, the difference between the new arrivals and those that have been there for a long time waiting. And the reason you're going to be able to tell, hallelujah, the difference between the two is because you're going to see some had jagged edges, rough edges, and then others had very smooth edges. And, and the smoothness, hallelujah, almost becomes like, 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 like a polish, hallelujah. And those, oh, they stand out because they're shinier uh, than the other ones. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And the reason that one is different than the other has everything to do with time. It has everything to do with time. Let me help you out. It has everything to do with being tossed. Being tossed, hallelujah. I know, I know we like the idea of being used greatly, but we don't want to go through nothing. But God ain't using anybody greatly, hallelujah, who's not tossed. Who's not tossed around, hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? So, so watch this. What, I begin to think about now it makes sense to me. When the Bible says that David is going to fight a giant, he goes to the brook. When he goes to the brook, the Bible doesn't say that he just grabs some rocks. I said the Bible does not just say that he grabs some rocks. The Bible says that he grabbed five, watch this now, smooth stones. Smooth stones. Rocks with no jagged edges. Rocks that didn't have roughness. He grabbed polished, <laughs> polished rocks. Why? Because David is a marksman. Oh, come on. He's a stone slinger. The Bible says that David and his men were so amazing with a sling that they were ambidextrous. They could sling it left-handed as well as right-handed. Watch this. With pinpoint accuracy. David will knock a grape off your head. I mean, I wouldn't want to be the person that stands there, but 
According to the scripture, that's how good. That's how good he was. If he was here, he will tell you part of my secret, hallelujah, was in the material that I used. Because here's what I know. Here's what I know. Rocks with jagged edges don't fly straight. Rocks with jagged edges do not fly straight. And watch this, hallelujah. David being a type of Christ, hallelujah. I'm not just launching anybody. God, help me in here so they can miss their mark, hallelujah. So if I got to just keep you in the water, if I got to, hallelujah, let life happen to you for a little while so that I can, watch this, remove the roughness and the selfishness out of your ambition. Then when I release you, hallelujah, you're going to fly straight. And you're going to hit your target and you ain't going to miss your mark. God, help me in this place. Hallelujah. And so David understood. Hallelujah. I only got about one chance with this here giant and I can't miss. So I can't just use anything. And when it comes to greatness, God can't just, oh God, help me in here. It's not that he's limiting who he could use. It's that when he chooses you, he got to prepare you. Because he ain't going to release you so that you can get close and then veer off. Because there was still some, some sharp edges. Some stuff that needed to be smoothed down in your life. Somebody shout ambition. Mm, God is a straight shooter. <laughs> ah. And waiting has the same effect on us. Are you in this place, church? God purifies our ambitions by delaying their fulfillment. Oh, I got one amen. Thank you so. Yes, hallelujah. I guess what he's really trying to say is this. It takes time to shine. I said, it take, you want to shine right away. It takes time to shine. Amen, somebody. Number two. I got five minutes. Somebody shout, you can do it. Waiting cultivates patience. Waiting cultivates. God, help me in here. Anybody been at the DMV lately? <laughs> Waiting cultivates patience. Impatience. Watch this deletes God's schedule and replaces it with yours and perverts ambition and turns it into demand. I said, and perverts ambition and turns it into demand. And then we try to spiritualize it. I want it now. My faith says now. But your Bible says through faith and patience, you inherit the promise of God. Hallelujah. You get it now if God says now. Because he's an on-time God. For the vision is for an appointed time. And his timing is perfect. So when we get off kilter, you know what he does? He rescues our perverted ambition by making you wait. And if you were wise, you would praise him right now for that. You would praise him. Hallelujah. Woo, God help me. You know the story. Sarah and Abraham couldn't wait. 
and it cost them. It's still costing us. I ain't got time to go into that. Hallelujah. Two different people. I'm going to leave it alone. Hallelujah. Because I ain't got time. Hallelujah. But they didn't wait. King Saul was told by the prophet Samuel, wait till I get back. But he couldn't wait. And because he couldn't wait, it cost him the kingdom. Hallelujah. Listen, initially there were 500 people in the upper room. 500. 380 could not wait. And 380 missed the Holy Ghost. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If we had to go with percentages, that doesn't really work in our favor. Most people can't wait. Are you hearing me? Israel couldn't wait for Moses to get back down from that mountain. And it cost him dearly. But it also revealed what they wanted. And many died that day on account of it. Hallelujah. And so what I'm trying to get to you or tell you in this place is that if God reveals something to you, listen, hallelujah, when you, when you talk about Israel and Moses, they couldn't wait. You know what they really couldn't wait for? The word. When he came off that mountain, he had the tablets in his hand. He had the word in his hand. We get the word, but then we have a hard time waiting for the word we got. And so when God reveals something to you, hallelujah, you have to know that God is perfect and that he's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. That's why I love Elisha because when God reveals to Elisha, watch this, in his spirit that it was going to rain, Elisha told his servant, go look for it. And when his servant went and looked and came back and said, I don't see nothing, he said, the problem ain't with me. I know what I heard. In my spirit, go look again. And after he goes a second time and comes back and says, I don't see nothing, hallelujah, we better leave this place. He said, no, we're going to wait right here. Go look again. I don't see nothing. Fourth time, go look again. Fifth time, go look again. No, we, it is coming. I know what I heard. I know what he said. I know who he is. His credit is good with me. Hallelujah. If he said it, you can put it in the bank. We're going to wait right here until it comes. And you know the rest of that story. It came. And when it came, it came fast. And that's what you need to catch. Though the, though the vision tarry, wait for it. In the end, it shall speak and not lie. It shall not tarry. It almost sounds like a contradiction, but what he's saying is wait for it. For when it comes, it's going to come fast. Are you in this place, church? Hallelujah. Watch this. Through faith and patience, we inherit the promise of God. Lamentations 3.25 says, the Lord is good to those who wait for him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. And it's not wait like sitting. Hallelujah. You've, you, you've often heard me do this. Hallelujah. See me do this. But... It's like when you go to the restaurant, hallelujah. Somebody's there and he is what? He's waiting on you. But it doesn't mean that he's sitting. <laughs> You're sitting, hallelujah. He's waiting. And while he's waiting, he's walking. He's waiting, he's walking. He's waiting, hallelujah. Look at, it, look at the idea of a real waiter, hallelujah. Can I help you? Can I get you something else? Do you need another? 
God, help me in here. Hallelujah. That's how you wait. That's how you wait with God. Hallelujah. God, what else do you need from me? Can I get you something else? Is there something else you need me to do? Is everything okay? Hallelujah. Talk to me. Tell me to do something so I can keep it moving. Hallelujah. You ever wonder why there's so many scriptures in the Bible trying to keep us walking? God is very much interested, hallelujah, in your forward progress. Woo! Number three. I got to wrap it up. Waiting redefines productivity. Some of you got it twisted. Uh-oh. Because watch this. We live in a world where time is money. I got one yes, and it was my wife. That means I'm not doing good. Because I know she's going to help me. Why? Watch this way. Time is money. So speed is essential. I want it fast. I want drive through blessings. And so watch, we define our success, you ready now? By how productive we are. And our productivity is wrapped in our activity. Oh God, have mercy in here. But God defines productivity different than you. God doesn't define productivity by activity. He defines productivity by transformation. By becoming. Oh God, hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? If you are transforming, you are being productive. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's more about who we are becoming and not what we are accomplishing. You're trying really hard to make things better. Can I help you in here? You become better. And then things around you automatically get better. Oh, you don't hear what I'm saying, hallelujah. I can testify, hallelujah, about growing the church and trying to grow the church by doing and doing and doing and doing and doing and doing and doing until God say, you get better. And watch everything around you begin to grow. Are you blessed in this place, hallelujah. And one of the things I love about God is that he lovingly empties our misguided preoccupation with accomplishment and fills it with ambitions to know him and to be like him. That is the ultimate goal of God for your ambition. That you would become like Jesus. So watch this. God is not beyond slowing you down to remind you that you need to rest. And we've mentioned that already. He makes me to lie down. I would dare say, hallelujah, that learning patience is your only link to sanity. You go crazy if you don't learn patience. Come on, somebody. God will take your definition of productivity to school and tutor you until you connect to his glory. And not personal achievement. Are you blessed in here? I, if I had time and I don't, I would tell you, hallelujah, that waiting, and this ain't going to make sense to some of y'all, but watch this. Hear me in the spirit. Waiting is the key to bearing much fruit. Oh, God. I said waiting is the key to bearing much fruit. 
if you know the fruit bearing process, watch this, you go from fruit to more fruit. And then you experience a cutback before you can get to much fruit. Nobody wants to get to a good place and then get cut back because you feel like you got to start all over again, which requires waiting. But if you're ever going to bear much fruit, waiting is the key. Oh, I'm preaching better than you saying amen right now. Hallelujah. Let me close. Stand to your feet in here. When you stand, I know I got to finish. Hallelujah. Are you blessed so far? Let me close. Hallelujah. We heard a lot of good stuff today, but how many of you know, I, I need some real people. Hallelujah. How many of you in here know waiting is tough? Come on. Hallelujah. I'll, I'll be the first one to lift my hand from this pulpit and admit that waiting is not easy. Especially when you are ambitious. And God has to check your ambition. So let me close with this statement. When God is fencing in, because that's what he'll do, our ambition, it will seem like he's constraining your freedom. I said when God is fencing in your ambition, it's going to feel like he is constraining your freedom. But he fences it in for a reason. How many of you know that a fence does not just contain, it protects? I said it protects. And so when God fences you in, he's not just containing, he's protecting. Oftentimes rescuing your ambition by hedging you in and not letting you hurdle over into some dangerous place. Not allowing you to fall over some cliff where you fall. He protects all. Who God calls, he protects. Is that anybody's testimony in here? Who God calls, he protects. Can I say this? And you might not like it, but it's all right. I think we heard enough good stuff. Watch this. He is not beyond denying certain ambition to achieve a greater good in us and through us. He'll take your little five-year plan that you're ambitious about and throw it out the window for a greater good so that you don't live out your life doing something you weren't called to do because it is possible to be successful at the wrong thing and so God says I'm going to fence you in I'm going to fence you in let me close Psalm 37 and 4 delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart what does that mean when we cooperate with God's work what delights us is no longer indulged ambition or even ambition for God, but God himself. God himself. So I close with a question. What lies on the other side of your ambition? Give the Lord a praise offering.